What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to this moment. This is your transatlantic bridge connecting Stockholm, Sweden to Harlem, New York City. And as you know, my name is Jason Diakite, one half of this moment with my co-host being my dear friend and brother, Chef Marcus Samuelson, located in New York City. This week, we'll be airing an interview Marcus did with former pro basketball player and four-time NBA champion, John Sally. John played with and against some of the greatest athletes of all time, including Isaiah Thomas, Dennis Rodman, Magic Johnson, and of course, Michael Jordan, during the golden era of basketball. He's also one of the earliest guys to become health conscious in the NBA and adopt a vegan lifestyle. And that's something we're seeing more and more of today, even in sports. We'll hear stories about Kobe Bryant, Magic Johnson, and what it's like living a vegan life in the NBA. So tune in and come with us. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So I want to go back. I mean, John, you're from Brooklyn. And yes. one of the things that I always admire by you is that you have grit. Right, you have grit. I mean, playing playing with Detroit and and playing against Boston and all of that. The world knows about that. Uh, different era in NBA, but you always does everything with both that Brooklyn grit. So where does that come from? I went to Brooklyn about less than a month ago to my old project. I'm from Bayview Projects, Bayview sure. Houses, and I know what I've come from, and. I know how much I really work on not ever being in that position. Mm-hmm. Uh, the crazy thing is I've, I've gone to India. And when I was in India, I realized I was never poor in mm-hmm. my entire life. I am beyond blessed. And for anybody that has been to India to see uh, 1.2 million people and how hard it is to live, we got a good in America. When I had to go to the bathroom, I got up and went to the bathroom and I put the light on and I washed my hands and I took a shower when I wanted to. And I went in the refrigerator where it was cool and got food and I washed my clothes in a washing machine and I took an elevator downstairs mm-hmm. and I got in my mother's car. We were not poor whatsoever. So wow. I'm, I'm all the time grateful and gratitude and, and humbled is the saying, Mark, as they say, uh, there's two kind of people in the world, those who are humble and those who soon will be. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. But tell me a little bit about Brooklyn, you know, at that era, because you're coming up at the same time as hip hop is really like emerging, yeah. right? Or uh-huh. is th- at that point, there's probably just like, you know, park parties for like DJ Hollywood or whatever, right? So, so you're growing up around that era, and then you're also an incredible athlete. And at that point, NBA was big, but there was no such thing as playing NBA and be done for life, for example. So there's different yeah. goals, different eras, different times. How was it? It was amazing. Uh, Hip hop was born when I was nine years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the time I was twelve. I was rhyming in ciphers. Yes. By the time I was 15, I was in a group with DJ Tommy Allen, who used to be on WBLS. Of course. God rest his soul. Um, and I was part, you know, it was the John Sally and the Mass Production crew. And then at 18, 
1982, I'm going to Atlanta, Georgia to go play at Georgia Tech. And, you know, crack had just started. Uh, The race riots, just to give you an example, 1978, 79, I think it was, Roots comes on television. And after Roots premieres, there's riots all over America because Black people finally was shown in weeks where we had to come from to the point we were at. Wow. And uh, a whole different Black pride kicked in. And then, you know, it's, it's like you mentioned hip-hop, and hip-hop was, was a major part of my life. Remember, this is coming off of uh, Disco Sucks and yeah. coming off of R&B stations wanting to get their records played. I tell people this all the time, how, how short time is. Um, Michael Jackson really was the first black person yeah. on MTV. Mm-hmm. Then Run DMC, only way to get on is if they come on with Arrow Smith and walk this way. Mm-hmm. Um, fighting to get Grammys uh, to be heard, seen, and considered to be a real situation. And then, you know, the NBA at that time was considered by, I read one time, they said it was too black and too drug infested. Wow. So, and the magic and, and, and bird saved the NBA. And then in 1984, the Messiah is born in the NBA, Michael Jordan and David Stern takes over. And we go from being a game that people play to an international um, powerhouse. Uh, and and just moves. And I'm in that era, uh, Dr. J's last days, Moses Malone. Moses Malone, yes. uh, Akeem Olajuwon. Kareem was still playing. uh, Magic Bird. Yes. uh, Terry Cummins, Buck Williams. And and I'm this skinny kid, you know, Dominique Wilkins. uh, I can go on and on and on when it was not a lot of money my first contract year was two hundred and thirty thousand dollars which is a lot of money yes uh let's not let's not take that out of context it's a lot of money but my my overall contract was 2.2 million dollars for five years and now there's guys getting signing bonuses for 25 million dollars yeah yeah million dollars so and and did the same thing i was doing you know running jumping and putting the ball in the basket um, it, it was the start of it. I remember John Concac, they called him John Contract, mm-hmm. uh, got the big, you know, $3 million contract being a backup center in Atlanta uh, to now guys are getting, you know, bigger money deals. So it changed the look of it when we started realizing we had, I think, three or four European players in the league. Now the league has, I think, mm, 30 to 40 maybe. I'm I'm seeing it become it became an internet. We got in, we got NBA Africa that yeah, people are not sure. hearing about. You know, of course. Um, and and it's it, it literally changes Dream Team One, 1992. Yeah. It changes it all. It but changes. I want to back up a little bit. I want to mm-hmm. back up a little bit because you're going way too fast. Because it's so many things in these lessons, right? Yeah. So. This is this is what I want to know, right? Because you come into the league, and there's like big boys there. Like there's Moses Malone. There are like sturdy, filthy, strong people trying to whack you. You know that athletes, but they're not as smooth as today. Well, they're just different, right? So, as a young kid coming in, were you scared? Were you intimidated? Was the Brooklyn you like? Okay, I got this. How did you feel coming in as a rookie? I one I learned very quickly. Mm. Uh, I'll give you an example. So I'm in training camp and I, I'm, you know, I just stopped being a runner. I, I was, I was a runner for so many years. Mm. Uh, but as my legs, uh, changed, uh, and you know, you're putting so much on your body when you're, you know, running and jumping, but I was a runner. So I come into camp in shape back in the day. Players used to come into camp to get in shape, in the playing shape. It was a different thing. <laughs> uh, 
Sid Green is uh, now on the team, and Rick Mahorn is now lost like 250 pounds, and they get into like a scuffle. And I said, "Hey, man, we're one team, man. Don't, don't, we don't need to fight." And Sid punches me in the jaw, and Rick kicks me in the leg, and I hit the ground. They were like, "Rookie, don't ever get between two grown men." And I'm looking around like at the coach, and he's sitting Chuck Daly looking at me with his arms crossed. I said, "Oh, sweat!" I wind up getting a mouthpiece from my upper and my lower, so I didn't say another word ever. If you wanted to hear me, with boom, 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 you wasn't talking. <laughs> and, and then you know they got a guy named Marcus Johnson who y'all have to look him up you know I'm playing defense and I put my hand on his waist and knock my wrist off and so you know I put it back on and then he clamped down with his elbow and said if you keep that hand on me I'm gonna I'm break it and take it with me I was like is, is anybody hearing this <laughs> so yeah but I had yeah, I played in the streets of Brooklyn man I, I I'm I'm Dittmas All-Star, Gauchos. I'm up in Harlem. I'm playing in every park except uh, the Rucker and the Cage. Whoa, um, whoa, whoa, stop. Because Rucker is legendary, right? Yeah, so why didn't you I play knew Rucker? better. You knew better. I'm a shot blocker, dunker, defensive player. And, you know, I ain't had nobody to watch my bag once I took it off and I put it yeah. down. I'm from Brooklyn. We don't really yeah. go there. But when I started playing Gauchos, I was up in the Bronx. You know, it was different. So I I always played team and I never I, I've gone to the Rucker to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I'm not I played in Breboy in Brooklyn, and that's yeah. equivalent to mm-hmm. Rucker. So just playing against everybody I can possibly play against is one thing, and playing our style of basketball, which is grab it off the rim and go. Whoever grabs it off the rim can dribble. And Everything has to have some mustard on it. So I, I I was able to use my quickness on these dudes, realizing I can get to the basket. And I had, at that time, I jumped pretty high and I'm long. So I, I used all of my attributes, um, but I got a lot of knots. I got a knot on the back of my head. I'm feeling it right now from mm. Otis Gilmore. Otis Gilmore elbowed me behind the head in February before the All-Star break. And... I had a concussion and they, <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't have a tent back then. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. were like, can you shoot your foul shots? Like, come on, dog, the game is going. And I, it was one of the biggest humans I've ever seen. And my father was a big human. Uh, but it was literally catching the ball and being quick. Wow. And first one off the ground and the ball above your head. See, I got this Dr. J right here. Yep. That's how you got up and you put it in the basket and you came down. It was none of that chairing and showing no, your no. muscles. No, it was it, definitely a man's game. You come in the lane, you get in the elbow. And I also uh, feel like you've been around some incredible individuals because I want to bring it back to my industry. Like I'm here being a cook was not something we was thought about in front of the camera. So I'm very clear on that. I'm really here on two parallels. First of all, what the generations before me on Black Chefs really did, right? Aunties, yeah. grandmothers, the Leah Chase, the Sylvia's of the world, you know, really set this up for us. And then you have the other parallel of the Julia Schaus, the Jacques Papin, and the Emeril Lagasse, right? And Ooh. that's the whole reason why someone like me, both being black but also being an immigrant can be have a tv show and be here right so for me i'm very sort of like you got to realize sort of who set it up and you got to pay homage you guys are really the ones that set up because this is pre-dream team 92 in barcelona that changes nba forever right yes and you're in that era and you played with some of the most forget like okay of course you play against larry and, and and magic and so on but the two people that are also super interested for me is you played with Dennis and you played with Isaiah, right? Which is for me, like two of the biggest sort of like mega stars in the NBA all time, right? All time. How all time. Would, you say Dennis Rodman, everyone knows who he is. Everyone. But it was very different Dennis Rodman then, right? Than yeah. what it was with the Bulls, right? Uh, uh, advanced. He advanced when he got to the Bulls. What? What what was it like just to be around that Dennis and I say I like just give me like 
What do we not know about Dennis, for example? Is there something we know about all the stuff, obviously leaving in the middle of the NBA finals and all that, but like, what don't we know about Dennis? We don't know that he taught himself how to play the drums. We nice. don't know that he was forward thinking on fashion. Yes. Not, I'm not just talking about the, the, the no. wedding dress. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm yeah. talking about ripped jeans and, mm -hmm. and doc, uh, and doc Martens. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, I'm talking about dyeing his hair. Uh, now True. you can't see any place, soccer, football, yeah. uh, the movements he made. And then a little, a little he backed punk, it up. A little punk, a little punk, yeah, you know? Ooh. A lot of punk, a lot of Afro punk, no yeah. question. Uh, Isaiah, people don't realize he's six foot one. Mm -hmm. And everybody else they're talking about are the greatest, above six six. Mm -hmm. And Isaiah was doing things his first game in the NBA, he got 31 points. What? Like this, this, and I wasn't there, but this, this is that Zeke and was no joke. And I was raised watching Tiny Archibald. Yeah. Tiny Archibald and Pearl Washington was my you know, constituent. So to watch these guys do it and everybody told me how great. I, I literally watched Isaiah Thomas take over games, play on one ankle. Uh, punch the biggest guy on the court. Like, <laughs> this is a fierce, fierce competitor. One of the greatest competitors yeah. I've ever seen. I just saw I say, uh, you know, he's he's now in the champagne business and we were talking yeah. to wine and, you know, I always told him that I was always rooting for Isaiah. That was always my dude because as a small kid, you look up, you know, you Isaiah becomes the one you're rooting for. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and, he, he, you know, he's six months. So he's not that small, but basketball-wise, he's small. So you just root for right. him. And we were actually mm -hmm. talking about hoop streams and all of that stuff. And, and it was great to talk to him. But your era is so interesting because there's also Shaq and Michael Wright, which like changes basketball for forever. But you also mm -hmm. catch Kobe. Black Mamba. What was Kobe like? Like that's a This is not bragging. I was the first professional player to have a camcorder and film the behind the scenes our POV. Yes. In 1988. Yes. I believe you. Yes. Right. And then I would take, and then when cameras had become digital, before they become digital, I was taking film and I would shoot moments. And when it became digital, I got pictures of the behind the scenes of the Lakers 2000s. Wow. Uh, uh, Kobe's only 20, so we, he doesn't come into the nightclubs, but we would go to TGI Fridays. <laughs> we would watch old video films. I would be with him in the studio. Oh, uh, oh. When he was going through this crazy trial, every other night I would, you know, be in a text conversation or a conversation about everything other. Mm -hmm. um, I, I really admired the kid. Uh, it, was, it was amazing. He said to me, I said, so the way they got this put up, you know, because Harold Miner was the rookie, uh, one of the rookies when I was on Miami, and he was baby Jordan. I said, what, are you the next Michael Jordan Kobe? Because now nah, I'm the first Kobe Bryant. Yep, yeah. Flat face. Yeah. And I was like, I said, so what do you, what do you want to be in this league? He said, oh, I'm going to be the greatest player to ever play in the NBA. Wow. That's, that's what I want to be. That's my He was vision. 20. Yeah. He was 20. I tell people that all the time because when you hear a kid say something, and he was a kid, yeah, you go, oh, oh okay, man. You know, there's a lot of guys you got to be better than. Good luck. He, was, he knew him. So wow. he, he was an amazing human. And I asked him, I said, man, he was talking about getting married young, and that was his girl. And I said, why would you want to get married young and do all that? He said, man, I do everything young. I do, I do it quick. I got an MBA young. You know, I live my life fast and to the moment so you think about it in his 40s he's, he's no longer with us but all the things he accomplished in those 40 41 years is amazing um and 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 definitely a time traveler that came in and he'll be back somehow so i remember when he shot the four air balls and he i was like he's the youngest guy takes the ball does this like this is unbelievable and I was like, I was worried about him in the locker room. I mean, he goes in with vets and they're out. And I'm like, what's going to happen to him? I was like mentally oh. worried about him. I was like, what's going to happen? And he was this, just like, next year's back better than ever. This is the 
craziest thing. Uh, <laughs> to have the guts to take those shots. Yeah. And I tell people, when you take shots, they either go in or they don't. There's no, it almost went in. It maybe went in. It half went in. It either goes in or it doesn't. But guess what happened? After those three air balls, you've never seen it again. You've only seen yeah. it go in. You've only seen yeah. him end games. Those three shots were his training his body on. Next time you shoot it, add a little bit more. Yeah. And, he, and he perfected that. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I want to ask one more thing about so I'm sure you pretty much knew where you were when Magic came out and talked yep. told the world when he had HIV. And then you think about today where we are with HIV, how far the world has come in that conversation. And obviously Magic telling us him his story about it, his journey was kind of like the journey for the world really to like, wow, this is, this is not just something in a subculture. This is everywhere now. So yeah. what, I mean, you're a young cat at that time, you're living a very fast life. What was actually the conversation in the locker room? Uh, and, and, and how did you reach out to Magic as, as your boy and as your friend? And, you know, bring us back to that space and time. I, I bring you to the point where, okay. So this is a crazy story. <clears throat> My life is Forrest Gump. I'm telling you. Yeah. We're in practice. And I don't have my goggles on. Somebody scratches my eye. So I go over to Mike Gabinara train and I go, yo, man, give me his eye drop. And he goes, before Mike would have walked up, looked in my eye, pulled it out, put a new eye in, put head back in there, spit on it. He was like, <laughs> he was like, Hey, uh, you got to go to Pellucci, which was our team doctor. And I'm going, nah, man, just I, it's just, I don't know. He goes, no, you got to go to Pellucci. And I said, well, practice. He said, don't worry, Chuck knows you got to go to Pellucci. So I get my stuff. No one's saying anything to him. Oh, all right. I'm, I'm out. No right. one's saying anything. I get in the car. I go to Pellucci. And I get there. And he goes, let me see. And he goes, okay, I'll give you some eye drops. He goes, sit down, Sal. I go, yeah. He goes, you're the player rep on this team. Yeah. He goes, I got to ask you a question. So if you find out about a player and there's a disease, and I know you got player, you know, doctor privileges, but if I'm the team doctor, I, I have to tell the team, correct? 
What's going on? I'm like, yeah, I guess so. What's the deal? He goes, well, you know, your test came back the other day. I said, hey, what are you talking about? He goes, no, 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 you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> but uh, Magic Johnson is going to announce that he's HIV positive and retired today. Wow. And I turned, I said, what? And I turned his phone around and I dial Buck. That's what we call him. Yeah. Phone's disconnected. So then I dial line. Phone's disconnected. I call Angie Wallace. She don't know how to get in touch with her. I finally get a number. And I'm like, yo, what's up? He goes, I'm all right, man. All things is cool. Um, but yeah, just, you know, it's a situation. You know, I'm going to do that today. Then I get home and I put the tape in because I'm recording. I, I recorded yeah. him retiring. And I'm blown away. I was just with him that summer. This is the summer after they played the Bulls. And they and they uh, and they and they lost, and we were in Hawaii doing uh, magic summer summer three on three basketball, sure. and uh, I mean it, it was this is magic. This is the this, but but this is the crazy thing. Everybody knew he was going to beat it. It's just a crazy. Well, wow. I did. Wow. I never imagined magic not being here. Mm. And Kanye put it best, like you, everybody can make it if magic made it. Like, yeah. and 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 he changed the atmosphere to look at it to the point where they use HIV virus to help cancer patients now. Wow. They 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 are talking about they finally have um, a vaccine. They are talking about pills they have to keep it out of your system. They they are talking about it being a virus or a parasite. Like literally, what was that? Nineteen ninety one in October. October 1991. And we're at a point now where Magic's a billionaire and, and vacation in, in Sardinia yeah, on, yeah, yeah. On, a, on a million dollar yacht. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, uh, it, it was crazy comedians had crazy jokes about it, but Magic was like, nothing stops me. Wow. And, and in the locker room, guys are not knowing what they're saying and they're, they're homophobic and they're, they're uneducated and they're unaware. Because the world was unaware, uneducated, and homophobic. And yeah, at that you time, you can't look at it from the lens of what we know today. You got to look at it from right. the lens of 30 years ago. You know what I mean? Right. It's very different. Right. People, people, um, people take airplane flights when they want to go places now. They don't, yeah. they don't, they don't say, hey, I see you in eight years because I'm getting on a train. It, yeah. it, everything has moved. And magic stopped the ignorance. Mm -hmm. Magic sacrificed himself. Um, then he didn't do it on purpose. Okay. Let me get that. But to not step up and, and face on, we don't know that you can go face on with a disease mm -hmm. The magic changed the whole mentality. So, you know, I, I felt really bad for him at that point, but like he said, don't feel bad for me. I'm about to beat this. And mm -hmm. so wow. far he has. So yeah. it was a crazy feeling. And the NBA made us. Uh, there's two different um, um, things you have to go to after practice or you get fined. One is the drugs and, and an addiction little conversation. Yeah. And the other one is the AIDS and sex um, wellness thing. Yeah. And if you're not there, you get fined 5,000. The lead them wants to know different things. And they started educating us. The, yeah. the dumb, crazy thoughts about it stopped. Uh, when I got to Miami, They had this beautiful lady come in and she was going to talk to us and she had a dress on and she was all dudes like trying to sit up front being like, yeah, I'm pulling this one. I'm pulling. Yeah. And she tells us and she's having the sex story and the guys are not paying attention and they just looking at her, giving her eyes. Yeah. And then she's handing out things and, and she goes, oh, I left this part out, fellas. Um, I have been HIV positive for five years and thank wow. you for listening to me. Stops everything. Yeah. And you're like, whoa. And she is still living it and yeah. still pushing it so it it, it changed how i do made a, it at least think first um before it was no thinking it was like i'm the greatest in the world and you should know me so it it brought awareness wow. to everybody so i i mean that thank you for sharing that because that was something i always wanted to i always wanted to ask because i you know i came up in that era and i remember where i was and, and it was like completely torn and so much wow 
Well, I want to, you've lived so, your life is so full and, and rich. Blessed and blessed. <laughs> but you've also been early and yeah. athletes come in. Some, some athletes now understand what food can do to your body and how food can actually prolong the career. You, you think about maybe one of the major athletes that did it early was Jerry Rice, for example. Uh, Kobe ate well. There's a couple of athletes that you think about, but you became vegetarian in, in the early 90s. What yeah. drove that decision? Why did you even go there? What did you, made you think about this? Uh, at 27, I had the second highest cholesterol on the team, and I had guys on the team that was in their late 30s. Yeah. Um, they told me I was going to have to take a pill, and that that pill also may work against my um, uh, reproductive organ. Yeah. And, uh, and at 27, gotcha. you don't want to hear that. No. And I said, it has to be another way. And I met this lady named Dr. Drew Pukram. And she told me I was full of, I'm not going to curse on your air, some horrible intestinal toxins. I was yeah. full of it. Yeah. So yeah, I got my first, all. yeah, I, I, I got my first colonic mm -hmm. and then I went macrobiotic and and then for about 14 years, I was a lying vegetarian. And then I decided at the age of 40 not to lie, period, mm -hmm. especially to myself. And I knew that I, if I was to continue to eat death, that was going to be my future. Wow. Um, so I would not eat things that caused parasites, that had parasites. I wouldn't eat things that had a breath. Uh, I'm sorry. That had a mother and a father. That's not mm -hmm. true. I wouldn't eat things that were living that can also uh, make more children. Yeah. Got <laughs> so you. Got you. That's the way I looked at it. Is uh, eating an animal would be like to me equivalent of eating a human. Yeah. And people were like, "What are you talking? They're sentinel beings." So I thought it was a crazy way of going. And I realized that most athletes, when they retire, look like they've eaten their young, and they get more and more. Um, Disease, mm -hmm. and I found out, Marcus. This is a trip that most athletes weren't living past the age of sixty. Wow. And in 2016, eleven former NBA players had died from the same disease, which is congestive heart failure, which is number one in America, and that can be avoided uh, as much as possible by not putting bad oils that become uh, rancid in your body and don't digest mm -hmm. and the food that goes in should give you fuel we are in the way people should look at their whole life but especially an athlete is like a thoroughbred or like a formula one car you're not going to put regular leaded gas in a formula one car you're going to yeah. put high octane gas and their gas is put in so it can propel the yeah. car not to hinder it so mm -hmm. i look at myself and my avatar as how do I want it to be? Do I want it to use it and be fruitful? Or do I want to become a casket for a sentinel soul? And I decided not to make my body a casket. And your food is either healing you or harming you. You get to choose. Yep, yep, yep. So I get that. And you obviously evolved from 1991. But traveling being on a team going to different cities i know today we have internet and we have great choices of vegetarian food or vegan food across the country but in 92 93 and from detroit going to milwaukee going oh. maybe san antonio don't tell me there was great choices how did you actually manage that on, on the, you know when you want it, to it's a brutal schedule right you on you probably okay. on bus 100 days a year or something like that i gotta tell you this uh, you're going to love this. Find an Ethiopian restaurant. Yes. If you people. find an Ethiopian restaurant, you have found vegan food. Yes. Uh, that's one. Two, um, eat as many uh, bananas and fruits as possible. Got it. Um, I'll give you a because you, you, this is crazy. You said Milwaukee. I'm a rookie. And back then during training camp, you know, it was two to a room. And they put yeah. the rookie with the veteran. Obviously, I became their uh, run do this for the whole year. And Adrian <laughs> Danley, Adrian Danley, the teacher who taught me most of this, uh, a lot of this, said, "Young fella, I'm gonna buy you lunch today." And we ordered in room service. I said, "Word, yeah, I can order what I want." 
He goes, go right ahead. I said, what I want. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's 1231 o'clock. We don't have to be uh, over there to the Mecca until six. I ordered a cheeseburger with fries and a strawberry shake. And Adrian giggles. And he goes, you, you good? He said, all right, give me the phone. He goes, uh, give me a half a sandwich and a soup. And then at 4.30, bring me another half a sandwich and a wow. soup. And I was like, that's all you're going to eat? He goes, yeah, 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 what you want? So I, I scoff it down. I don't yeah, even know yeah, if I yeah. chewed. <laughs> and, you know, it's time to take a nap because we take naps in the afternoon. I'm, yeah. I'm dead to the world with this food not digesting in this body that's not moving. Marcus, I got to play against, and guys, look this up. His name is, it, there was two big guys, one in Milwaukee. One was named Jack Sigma. Okay. And one was named Randy Brewer. And I'm this high jumping fast, what you call it? AD gets over, young fella, don't forget my bag. Don't forget this. Don't forget yeah. that. And I'm like, what time is it, man? It's like, he said, it's five, you know, quarter to five. And I'm thinking a quarter to five, we don't have to be there at six. And back then we were in nobodies. You walk, you left the high, you walked <laughs> yeah, across yeah, the street yeah. into the arena. And I get there, and Adrian is already stretching and on heat pads and working on his wrist and got his ankles taped and his wrist taped, and he's putting on his armor. And I'm slugging over there, throw his bag down. I'm like, whoo. I put it on, I'm last, so I gotta get taped. I go do a crazy little shoot around. I can't score a basket and I'm missing dunks. And look at AD. AD said, how's that cheeseburger hand, uh, treating you? <laughs> and I go, and then after the game, he goes, I had to let you do it so you can see. You can do but it. you're a machine, bro. Yeah. And you can't put a whole bunch of clogged things into this machine mm -hmm. and do what you do. I changed my eating right then. And it was, it was focus. Don't eat dairy if you're going to play. Don't yeah. eat a steak. When I was in college, you know, we would have a steak at, uh, at I think it was a pregame meal at 3.30 or 4.30 and string beans and yeah, yeah. make sure you drink your milk and your orange juice. And I was wondering when my game was going up and down. And after the game, I would have a pizza and can barely wake up and had acne and, and, and problems going to the bathroom sometimes yeah. and irritable until I learned if you want to fly like a bird, don't eat the bird, eat like the bird. When we look at NBA today, like it's worldwide, you have NBA China, you have NBA Africa, it's Europe, of course. But all those lessons, you guys had to go through it, right? Yeah. In order to set up that someone like a young Kobe can come in with a chef or whoever came in with it first. And you're going to see things in sports now, like we're in this era, right? If I, I'm a soccer guy, right? So you have Cristiano at 36 doing things that no 36-year-old ever in soccer has done and he can probably play until he's 40 you have um you know majority of the soccer players in europe right now they have their own dietitian or or chef and up until like 10 years ago they ate the worst food right yeah. So you're yeah. gonna see guys going into their 40s you're still fit you probably could have played what another five six years if you wanted to i i, I retired at 36 because i didn't like it anymore what that, that was I know it sounds beyond, but it was funny, too, because Phil Jackson said, uh, you have 15 minutes with Phil, and when you finish, and I'm in the best shape I've yeah. been in. And he goes, Sal, I got no real estate for you. What you going to do now this summer? Let's smoke some weed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, because if I'm not going to be on a yeah. championship team, there's no reason for me yeah, to yeah, stick yeah, around yeah. knowing. And it's just not, yeah. I'm, I don't play to lose. Um, uh, and, and then, like you said, Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Uh, God bless his wife, because she got him doing yoga and yeah. eating well and, and, and focus on family and mm -hmm. focus on, on your skill and giving him an open mind. You know, he's playing better than everybody else, like you said. Gastano, I, you know, I can't say, I tell you, my mother stayed alive till she was 96. Wow. I don't tell people um, what to do in their life. I just tell them what I do in my life and mm -hmm. I tell them how it works for me. And how you could, you know, like, don't talk about, man, don't eat, don't use straws because they kill the tortoise and yeah. the sea fish. Why you're in the seafood place eating the seafood. You know <laughs> what? You want to save the fish, stop eating. Yeah. So it's, I'm not going to be hypocritical about that. I'm not going to move in, in, a, in that area. 
And and talking about people that come before you, I, I mentioned Adrian Dantley. They would have to look him up. Huge impact on my life. Wow, Joe Dumas, nice, huge nice. impact on my life. Joe Dumas used to read these huge books. They were big and thick like that. And you used to have to carry them. And he would be reading. The next thing you know, you see Joe and he'd be at the end of the book. And and I was a reader, but I wasn't avid like that. And I became an avid reader. Yeah. And I realized that's how you enhance everything you do. It's a focus. It teaches you how to focus. So a lot of people before you, um, there was a great chef out of my project named Patrick Clark. Yeah, yeah, from Patrick, right. So when you talk, when I knew that chefs can be superstars because wow. Patrick was a superstar in New York City. I was like, wow, he's, and he's a chef. I knew that my mother is a kosher caterer. Wow. So I knew the difference between being a cook and a chef. Wow. I understood Bless what it meant, the schools you had to go through and what you had to get to that point to be called chef, yes, chef. Wow. So I, I really appreciated it and saw that. I got a new network coming out in February called Spark. Oh, nice. It's a what subscription is based. Oh, nice. Subscription oh. based. And we have a complete cooking section oh, cool. in this cooking bay. And not an argument with my team, with my with my partners. But I said, if you're going to have chefs here, and there's five chefs that cook this way, you're going to have five vegan chefs. Yes, yes, yes. And, and, and you know, and I got to tell you this, Marcus, because you talk about being a basketball fan. Mm. Bro, you had no idea on how I was such a fan of yours. You you were in a book called The Last Supper, and it was yeah. shot by my friend Melanie Dumais. Yes, Melanie, photography is my pod. Yeah, I, Melanie is my role and uh, my road dog. And I saw your picture, and I was like, <laughs> she was like, you got to meet this dude. He's the baddest. And, you know, you had a fish, and I was like, I didn't care. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? This I got to meet this brother. Yes, so I was yes. so happy to meet you. Like, you didn't even know. Like, I went looking for you. I used uh, the, the Ethiopian girl as an excuse to, to, cause she wanted to take a picture with you. Now get out of the way, Marcus, let's talk. So, uh, um, I, I understand. And, and I respect that too, man. I have guys that I would see older guys. And then Oscar Robinson came to me and said, I appreciate you. Yes. And I was blown away that Oscar was even talking to me. And I was like, mm -hmm. uh, thanks. And he was like, you never let them talk about mm -hmm. great players and don't mention the guys who come before. And I appreciate no. you doing that. Rest in peace. So Patrick Clark was my mentor, right? And he, yeah. when he called me, he never asked. He said, Marcus, get over here. I need you. We're going to DC. We're cooking for Clinton. We're cook cooking for the president. Uh, <laughs> be over here. And you can be anywhere and you just have to drop and go, right? <laughs> and everything was, and you just don't question Patrick. You, there was nothing to question, right? No. And I just loved his drive. And for a young black chef to do French food in New York City, just as good as anyone else, he really showed it that I could do it, right? Yeah, yeah. And there, there was, you know, and when he passed, uh, a friend of ours, Charlie Trotter, put a big um, charity event together at Windows of the World where all the chefs came out. Nobu, Charlie Trotter, Thomas Keller, everybody came out and we raised money for his kids to go to, to college. And his son, Preston, started to work for us, or he started to work for me. And I'm just a couple of years older than Preston. And I always, like, just having, the, being 24, having the responsibility to coach a 19-year-old, right? But I knew yeah. this was this was my responsibility. And then That's after dope. that, I sent it to John George. And now Preston is doing his own thing and, you know, don't need me anymore. But, you know, we're always in contact. But when you say Preston, when you say Patrick, it's exactly that mentorship because I do think you guys in NBA, there is a ment mentorship and it's passed on. It's like an unspoken word. Like you, the rookie, right. you do not talk to cat. No. And as the leader, you kind of take care of the young guy, however that works. Right. right. So there's similarities in cooking too, you know? Oh, that I tell, I tell people that all the time. I tell, listen, bro, I, I was that my mom's, we would do Seder dinners in, in, in Long Island. And I'm the little serving guy. Mm -hmm. But the crazy thing, my mother was also the maid. Yeah. So, and she can cook that way. Wow. And I got to, you know, stay in, in, in the quarters, uh, uh, service quarters, which to me was like, I got a bathroom in my room. I got posters on the wall. Yeah. And I got my own bed. My brother ain't making noise over there. And we wake up and they're off to a temple 
and we clean it. Yeah. And she goes, they're not going to be back until this afternoon. You can go swimming. So I'm swimming in the in the mansions in, your in pool. Long Island. In your pool. And, and, yeah, this is my pool. This is my house. Ain't nobody here but me. You know that. And it, it's, to anybody else, they were like, oh. But it was such yeah. a learning experience on what I wanted and where I wanted to be and how. And give you an example. Our Roka is from my project, Baby yes. Houses. Yes. Patrick Clark is from my neighborhood. Um, so just like to get to, to, to somebody say, man, this is all we have is a bad idea and a bad person to listen to. That person doesn't have drives. So you, 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 you're not, uh, sorry, you're not, you're not, if you're around people who don't have drives, yeah. you know, I, I had, like I said, like you said, chef, I know what it takes, what a sous chef is doing. Yeah. I know what it's taken when make sure this is cooked at this temperature. Mm. I know it has to look the same and perfect when they all come out. Like mm. I that is that is knowing what you have to do, doing what you're paid to do mm. and doing it at the best you can possibly do. It. That makes you that makes you a professional. And then now you also thinking about I know you want to go back to Africa, you want to go back to the motherland. Yeah. I know you're passionate about that. You yeah. also started uh, you obviously were early in way early probably in the weed business, right? Yeah. So like, so tell us, you know, because it is obviously a paradox that so many young brothers were locked up in the 80s yeah. and 90s, and now it's becoming a billion, multi-billion dollar business, and we might not be there, right, to be right. part of those businesses, but you say, no, we're going to be there. So yeah. how did you start the business? Because you're an entrepreneur. How did you connect the dots? Like, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, I got in the cannabis business right after my, my boy got locked up for a non 25 years. He just got out two weeks ago, bro. 17 years in the clink. He got like five, uh, eight years off his sentence, uh, uh, nine years off sentence, something like that. Um, and uh, my boy Romy is out now. And my daughter and I, uh, my daughter, I, I said, man, this college is costing 53,000. That's before I yeah. give you all the money. Yeah. And she was like, you want to invest in my future? I said, I am I'm going to college. And she goes, my future is cannabis. Wow. And so my daughter, Tyler is one of the youngest black female entrepreneurs yes. in the business. And, and we have a show hopefully that's being looked at by Netflix. Um, Father daughter business is a great, um, a great way of putting it. But she definitely is a CEO. She's well versed, um, amazing, great on television. Um, and I and and this is going to be a show to destigmatize cannabis. Also, I, Isaiah Thomas saw me getting into the CBD cannabis world, and he brought me on as an advisor on One World Farmer, mm -hmm. which makes us the largest cannabis and hemp grows in the world with 1.9 hectares in Colombia. So. It's it's being in the right place, dealing with um, um, Ruben McDaniel's out of uh, uh, New York and the OCM, which is the Office of Cannabis Management. And I, I sent him a, a text the other day showing that one billion dollars of cannabis was sold in the state of Illinois and not one black dispensary. Wow. Wow. And one thing Ruben said is that won't be New York. And. We have, a, a, I think, one or two black dispensary owners that they brag about throughout this whole business. I'm, I'm sure there's more now, but there's one female they constantly talk about. And so our brand, Deuces 22, we plan on being across the country in as many places as possible. But yeah. we also are part of the social equity um, brand in New York City and um, right here in Los Angeles. Um, called Green Haven behind Green Haven and um inverte uh think tank. Um we are literally one of I think 34 brands out of Los Angeles Amazing. that are under the social equity. So uh anybody listening, if you're in New York City mm. and you've been affected by the war on drugs, meaning you had to do some time for a little bit of weed, mm -hmm. you are now eligible to be an owner of one of these licenses growing dispensary operate uh um, growth dispensary operating delivery lounge you should just be flooding your name in there to get this license and then once you get the license then we'll talk about driving from that point on 
Wow. Uh, but it, it's it's moving in, in the future. So now, uh, like I said, my network that I'm doing with my partners uh, called Spark, uh, which was started in February, we have a complete crypto um, channel and station because I'm doing a new show on being new in the crypto world. The deal is, um, yes, the pioneers get the arrows, mm-hmm. but the trailblazers make the trails. Yeah. And it's for, like you said, for those who to follow, like yeah. in the NBA. I don't get mad that these guys are making that money, but Charles Barkley said it best. If you got a contract for $85 million, it's not because you're good. <laughs> it's because somebody before you pushed for you to get that contract for $86 yes. million. Yeah. So uh, it's 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 being a trailblazer, being first, yeah. um, and 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 wanting to be in that position. That's that winning mentality I have. Yeah, I, it's Brooklyn. I, it's I, grit. Right. I don't but, I don't want to just play. Think I about it. Win. Out of that, out of that housing project came Al Roker that has done it better and longer than anybody, right? Like yes. think about his amazing family life, but also career. Patrick, that was my hero, of course, this is in the chef community. And you just the three of you going like in school, like it's all about competitiveness, but I'm sure you drove each other crazy. And there's probably another five, 10 cats that we don't know about. There was, you know, that was in there. And that it's something about that, that I think still to this day that you follow, that you probably installing your daughter and your family like to become, right? If you're going to do it, make sure it matters. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you're going to do, if you're going to beat it, this is yeah. the only life you have. It will be nothing left in the tank when it, when it's over at all. I'm happy for it. Appreciate you so much. Thank you so much. And if you know, you know, stay, stay being positive for us because we need yeah, it out there, especially in time. Stay alive. And everybody out there, do or do not. There is no try. Yoda said that. Peace. Peace. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.